Got a mic, we have a mic runner, so we'll bring the mic to you. Thank you. Most people can hear me anyway. Good morning. Um, Cheryl Andrews Maltese. I'm the chairwoman of the Wampanoag Tribe of Gay Head of Quinnah in Massachusetts. Thank you so much for being here, and I appreciate all the work that you guys are doing. Uh, my question essentially is broad based, and it's more or less geared towards the secretary. Um, while we're coming off the heels of Thanksgiving, the Wampanoag people are tired of the myth that keeps getting perpetuated for centuries about our history. And part of the problem in, that we find is that most tribes' history has not been able to be told, and particularly by the tribes themselves. Underneath the education, Elementary and Secondary Education Act of 1965, in the section of purposes, um, the state school educational bodies are supposed to be consulting with the tribes, meaningful consultation in order to make sure that their curriculum suits the needs and the purposes of the tribal nations that are also within the exterior boundaries. And I was wondering how you can help us ensure that the states are in fact following this law in order to receive their funding for their education because it's not clear to the states themselves that they are required to meet with federally recognized tribal governments underneath the law in order for them to receive their funds, as well as a, a sub-recipient of federal dollars, which the United States knows that it has a trust and treaty obligation, and also the obligation to consult. That's my question. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very much for that question. Thank you very much for that question. That's a great question. And I think, you know, it's, it's important to remember that many of the uh, treaties that were were agreed upon have never been followed through on. And it is our collective responsibility to ensure that at all levels, we're doing everything we can. Um, I recently had uh, representatives from a state reach out to me, from a nation, reach out to me with a similar concern. And uh, what we did was convene uh, a meeting with the leaders of the State Department of Education to remind them of their responsibilities in a manner that builds commitment, not compliance. See, I don't have to tell you, uh, lately education has become the pawn of uh, political banter back and forth. And what we need to do is cut through that to get to what we said earlier, language and culture is identity, uh, and students thrive when they feel seen, they feel welcome, they feel heard, and when they see the truth. Okay, so my suggestion, you know, very globally would be to make sure that uh, you continue to advocate for that, but very specifically, reach out to our Office of Elementary and Secondary Education with a very specific issue, and we'll be honored to help support that connection. We, uh, we have time for, for one more question. We're running a little bit behind. Um, and again, we ask that, that uh, you'd be brief. Uh, let's go over here. Good morning, I'm Chief Gary Harrison. I'm uh, 
Water Clan, and I'm from Chickaloon Village in Alaska. And uh, a couple of things. Um, I am a survivor of the boarding schools. Also, um, I want to uh, know that we also have uh, ANA programs for our language, and I find that we have to put in all the time for, to get these grants, and it's uh, not very helpful when we don't get them because then you have to let your staff go and you have to start your program all over again. So that's one thing that I would like to bring up is to be able to have some continuity in the funding that comes out um, and maybe some of the new funding coming out will help that. Um, and probably seeing how I won't get the floor again, I wanna also um, mention the fact that when uh, the money came out for Indian country to buy back Indian country. I'm not sure how all of that works, but somehow um, it doesn't seem to be working, at least for our tribe. And that also goes for the veterans' um, native allotments. Um, there seems to be a problem there as well. Um, and with that, um, also, I want to mention that the fact when they talked about decolonization in Alaska, you had to prove that you could read and write English and also um, have five white people sign that you were competent. And in actuality, it was not really a vote for decolonization, it was a vote for statehood. And the U.S. says, well, that's our decolonization vote yet the true people who are supposed to be voting for decolonization were not allowed to vote. I know for a fact, because my cousins were in a fist fight at the voting when it came to letting, the, letting them vote. So um, that's a couple of things that I would like to at least uh, mention while I have the floor. And maybe you can uh, help us out in some of these endeavors. Thank you very much. Okay. Well, thank you for those uh, reflections. Secretary Helen, any final thoughts or reflections before we um, close the panel? I, I just appreciate every, I, I'm so, I feel bad that we don't, can't get to every single question. Um, instead of me talking, can we just go to one last question? And is, if, if possible, the woman with her hand up um, with the mask on, yes, because we had a conversation in my office last night and so I know she wanted the opportunity to ask, so. Thank you, Secretary Holland. My question is, uh, with the funding with tribal colleges, they are historically way underfunded, and uh, we have students across the United States, you know, our, our villages, my name's Patricia McDonald, I'm from Alaska, and our villages are shrinking to the point that my village where I'm from, Healy Lake, Alaska, we have 20 people there. We don't want our people moving to the, the hubs, to Fairbanks, to Anchorage, Seattle. We want to keep our talent. And I think it's really important that the secondary education at these tribal universities offer classes for students to take uh, long distance. And we know it's possible. I know firsthand, I'm a proud mother of two Haskell University, one graduate uh, 2021 and one will graduate 2023. 
And so uh, I know that Haskell had that capacity, yet now that we're coming out of the pandemic, they've pulled back. We need to offer a post-secondary educational opportunity for students because we want to keep our talent. We don't want to give them to Microsoft. You know, we don't want to give our talent to the big companies. We want to keep our people and we want to keep our villages uh, and, and grow our own. We really need that opportunity. I'd love it if you could please reflect on that. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much for that. Um, when I visited Jemez Pueblo, I learned from the governor there that the goal was to help educate the students and have them come back and serve their nation. And I, I was really taken aback with the folks that I met there who went out and studied, traveled and studied, and came back and became pillars in their community. So I respect that notion. And I believe that broadband access will allow us to do better in higher education. We learned from one day to the next that we had to go from in-person to remote. There's nothing to say that we have to go fully back in-person and that we can offer opportunities when we finally, through the infrastructure plan, get access to all students. That's an issue of equity, broadband access. And in terms of funding TCCUs and uh, minority-serving institutions, you know, the president's agenda, the president's uh, budget proposal have historic increased proposals for these areas because we agree with you. We agree. My visits confirm what you say, that if we don't act deliberately to provide support and funding for tribal colleges and universities, that we're hurting the, the cultural um, connections that these students have and, and those communities. So we agree with you wholeheartedly, um, and we will continue to lift the importance of supporting those higher education institutions. As I said before, I visited several tribal colleges, and one story stuck with me. This was over a year ago. I had a young man tell me, that he was, he was maybe in his 20s, mid-20s. He said, I, was, I failed in your traditional schools. I wasn't seen. They didn't see me there. He, he failed. I think he dropped out. He had problems there. He was thrive. He was an honors student. He was a representative of the Student Government Association at the tribal college because he felt seen, connected. He belonged there. So I, that story stuck with me, and it, it speaks to the importance of what you're saying. And I, I commit to you that we will continue to fight for funding, to push, lift stories like yours and like the one that I just said, to show that this is about student success, about maintaining that identity, that culture, and language, which we know is critically important. And then specifically to um, that community there, I'm going to ask my staff who, who is in the building to kind of tap you on the shoulder and get more information so I can learn more about your specific situation to see what we can do to support you. Thank you. Thank you, Secretary Cardona. Thank you for the question. I appreciate it so much. Um, I want to thank you all for your time, attention, for um, coming here and being with us today. This is just the first session. We've got two full days together, some special guests yet this afternoon. Um, and I just really, really thank you. This building is uh, full of your, your language. Um, it makes my heart full. Having the, I want to thank Chair Norris for the uh, blessing and the song today. Um, and that is um, first of many over the course of the next few days. 
ways, and um, I feel myself feel closer to my community today just by having you all here, uh, let alone my Achonika and my Choka, uh, my grandma and my grandpa. So safe travels to you all. Thank you to my panelists, and um, safe travels to all of you. Take care.